Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome, everyone, to the Islanders Never Say Die podcast. I'm your host, TJ, and with me again, as always, is our NHL analyst and expert, the grumpy old man. They say there's no shame in his game because he's always the same. That's me. <laughs> grumpy. Um, I was looking forward to the, I guess, post-game live stream slash podcast after game one of our doubleheader against the Philadelphia Flyers. I've been looking forward to this since I would say hmm, – after the Washington Capitals game, uh, grumpy old man, I want to start this off with a question. I want to know where you are. I, I don't think it's I'm, – I'm not really questioning where you are. I think I have a feeling, and I think all of our listeners would know you are where you are when I ask this question, grumpy old man. But I asked a very scientific question amongst our Facebook and our Twitter fans all over the place and listeners to the podcast. I asked where are they, if they had to rate, if they were worried or not. One being, you're not worried. We were only seven games in the season. There's ebbs and flows. You don't really have to worry that much. Uh, two, grumpy old man being, you're slightly concerned. The team is at a low point. Things will get better, but I'm a little worried. A three, you're sweating a little bit. It's not hard to be somewhat worried of our poor start. It's a shortened season. The Islanders, if they don't turn things around, might be at risk for missing the playoffs. And four, you're at DEFCON 1, Grumpy Old Man. The Islanders have played the Rangers twice, the Devils twice, and a Capitals team without Ovechkin, Samsonov, Orloff, and Kuznetsov. These teams would be at the bottom of the division, and we only have four points over the six games, Grumpy. I want to know where you are. We're not making the playoffs. Um, <laughs> I, I tell you, you know, I remember on one of the podcasts, the one before we did our predictions, I said we weren't going to make the playoffs, and I changed my mind the next week. I know I should never, ever change my initial initial thoughts because they're always correct. Uh, we're not making the playoffs. Absolutely not. So I don't know where that fits on your scale. Uh, but I'm, for the next podcast, I'm going to have the names of the top. Well, being that Lou Lanarolo is picking the team, maybe the top, since I figure we'll probably be picking the top 10, maybe the top 600 prospects from Central Scouting Bureau because I know we won't be picking anyone who can score. So I'm looking for some ham and egg grinder that we could dump on the fourth line. 
Gumpiel, man. Uh, we are recording this. I think it's important to add. We are recording this. It's the live stream right after the game against the Philadelphia Flyers on Saturday. Um, since the last live stream and podcast, Grumpy, the Islanders had a three-goal lead against the Washington Capitals. They let that slip through their hands by giving up five goals there in the second period. And tonight, we got off to a slow start. We went down 2 nothing to the Philadelphia Flyers pretty early. Um, we played a pretty solid second and third period, though. Something you could build off of. I, I would even argue, Grumpy Old Man, we carried action. We looked pretty dominant. I know we didn't score goals. We didn't have a whole lot of like spectacular chances, but we carried most of the action. And the Islanders lose there in overtime. Grumpy Old Man. <clears throat> what? Where are you? Where are you? I know you said you're not. I know you said you're not. We're not making the playoffs. Is your new, your new prediction, Grumpy Old Man? I, I just want to know. Okay, here's. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know what you're trying to spout over there. Is there a point you're trying to make or what? Are you trying to drive me crazy? What are you trying to do? No, Grumpy Old Man. I want to know what. What are your thoughts, man? After this game here tonight, this is this is you. This is your thing, Grump. I figure you're going to be livid. That's what I was waiting for. I was waiting for the raw reaction of the grumpy old man. And you I, seem more defeated than you are angry. And that's what's throwing me for a loop right now. I was angry after the first period. Really angry. Matter of fact, I jotted them, some things down. You know, I like to jot some things down after each game. I was looking for positives. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, positives for today. We did come back, and I thought we played much better in the second period. The first period was an absolute disaster. Uh, the third period, I thought we carried the action. And uh, we gave up. Lawton scored that goal at the end, and it was because Dobson got – he was teamed out there with a couple of the Hoover line. Uh, Grumpy, who's the Hoover line? That's the second line with Croc Nelson, the king of the secondary assist, and whether – this the, the, the absolute – the king of the garbage uh, garbage players, Kami Kamarov, uh, played on that line. Don't ask me how – you know, we're going to get into it, but how does that guy get on the second line? How is that guy on the second line? And in overtime, Croc turns it over, uh, lets Gotcha Spare, of all people, pick his pocket and come up the side. Lawton made a nice play. It was a weak goal by Barlamov. He got caught out of the net, out of position. Uh, but, of course, Bailey was there. He probably would have tipped it in even if it was close. That's the only time he ever scores on his own team. Uh, they make me sick. Bailey makes me sick. He's disgusting. Stop, Grump. I, He's a loser. Stop. Freaking loser. Stop, Grumpy old man. I, <laughs> I, this is more. I, I don't know, Grumpy. It's oh, here's. This is all negatives. All negatives up here. I, actually, my positive is negative. My positives are Bailey moves to the first line and Kamarov moves to the second line. That's how you, you reward failure. You move them up in the lineup. <laughs> <laughs> uh, grumpy old man, I will tell you this much. You mentioned Leo Komarov. How many more times do we need to see Leo Komarov not marking his man through transition and his guy having a clear path to where they could just have their stick on the ice to deflect the sitter into the net? I mean, this is a, I feel like the second game and uh, the second or the second time in four games where he's been out there and it's been strictly his man who he's not able to keep up with because he can't skate anymore. And he's just able to go ahead and tap the puck into the net. 
grumpy old man. My question is this. If Leo Komarov is, and again, he's touted there as a penalty killer, a guy who's defensive-minded, he certainly doesn't have any offensive acumen. He could barely skate with the puck. I mean, you saw how weak that shot was when he was set up by Jordan Everly in the third period. But, I mean, when are we going to try something else? I can tell you one thing. There's no way Leo Komarov should be playing over Kiefer Bellows or Oliver Wallstrom at any time this season. Well, it seems like we have a third line right now. I love the Pajot, Bellows, Wallstrom line. They should not touch that. Um, you got Barzal. Everybody else on the team is garbage. The whole rest, they can all go. Every single one of them can go. They're all trash. Uh, we're a dumpster fire offensively. Uh, Dobson is great. I, I know Dobson gets better every single every single game he gets better. That kid might be our number one defenseman by the end of the year. He is getting – I mean, he's making quantum leap jumps every single game. Uh, I was pleased that Letty and Mayfield seemed to play a little bit better. I thought it started the last game against the Capitals. I thought that Letty was more physically involved. He seemed engaged. Uh, and I thought today was probably the best game that Mayfield and Letty had as partners this season. So maybe they're kind of starting to round in the form. Mayfield scored a goal today. Letty had an assist. Uh, so, I mean, there's those are your positives. I mean, but there are a boatload of damn negatives. The fourth line is a dumpster fire, without a doubt. You look at the first goal today against Philadelphia. Kami has obviously infected Cal Clutterbuck. He turns – I mean, it was a two-on-one, turned over at center ice, right? Grump, yeah. Grump, I've got to interrupt you. Man, oh, man, I keep forgetting. We had a sponsor to read, to read here at the beginning of the podcast. Let me go ahead and jump to that. I'm sorry. We <laughs> – <laughs> we, have, we have a sponsor for today's podcast there. It's DraftKings. Uh, Pigskin fans, the moment you've been waiting for all season is right around the corner. DraftKings is the official daily fantasy partner of Super Bowl 55 and is bringing back their golden ticket giveaway of up to $55 million in prizes up for grabs. All you have to do to get your share of these huge prizes is to enter DraftKings' free Super Bowl prediction challenge. Once you submit your picks, you'll get a free instant prize up to $25,000. And if you have the most predictions correct, you could win the top prize of $1 million. Download the app now and enter the free prediction challenge. Answer questions like who will score last, and boom, get ready to make it rain. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to its players since 2012, so they know a thing or two about big paydays. Download the DraftKings apps now and use promo code THPN to enter for the free $55 million Super Bowl prediction challenge. Um, everyone gets a instant prize up to $25,000 just for playing. Uh, so use the promo code THPN now to enter the free $55 million Super Bowl challenge only at DraftKings, the official daily partner of Super Bowl 55. Terms and conditions and eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. And make it rain. <laughs> Sorry, Grump. I, I was about to say, if we didn't go ahead and jump to that, I totally had forgotten to do that read. Uh, Grump, I didn't want to interrupt you, but I'm sorry. Continue. Um, the first goal that we gave up. Well, first the first shift, Philadelphia just took it right to us. I mean, I, how long before Trotz realizes that the fourth line is finished? I mean, you got three guys. I mean, Casey's what? Is he 30? Um 29, 30, right around okay. the age. He might as well be 30, and he's a hard 29 if he's if he's 29. And you got the $6 million man who played in the 700th NHL game today. You know, oh, he had seven hits. Yeah, and about 12 turnovers. I mean, 
you know, he's finished. He's absolutely finished as a player. Clutterbuck has been infected with commie disease. That's where you turn the puck over at center ice by two guys and you just float back and the guy who stole the puck from you scores the goal on a rebound uh, or a quick pass out in front. It was the same thing. Comrade did the second thing. That was where your, your pal, the king of the secondary assist, Mr. Uh, 863 games, right? That's the big storyline today. He has just passed Clark Gillies as the fourth, uh, the fourth most Islander with the fourth most games played. You know, when you're celebrating stuff like that, you're, I, mean, I guess it's a participation trophy for Josh, the king of the secondary, the queen of the secondary assist. Hold on, Grump. I've got to chime in. I think what they're trying to say with Josh Bailey playing more games than Clark Gillies is he's better than Clark Gillies, Grumpy. That's what I think they were trying to say for you fans. Look, let me tell you something. It's not what they're trying to say. They're trying to give him the rub, right? They, they say, oh, we have a big interview, Clark Gillies and Josh Bailey. We're going to show it next Thursday, right? That's what they said on the broadcast. You think people are tuning in to listen to Josh Bailey talk? No, they want to give him the Clark the Clark, Clark Gillies magical rub from the four-time Stanley Cup champ winner, and uh, you know hopefully maybe it'll rub off on Bailey. Bailey sucks. He's finished. You know, and the second goal. Here's the second goal. He thinks he's in soccer. He must think he's Lionel Messi or uh, Cristiano Ronaldo doing like a dummy a dummy pass. So the puck was coming right to him. He just lets his stick, lets it bounce up. A Philadelphia guy picks it up in the zone, and they winds up leading to a goal. That commie didn't cover his guy. I mean, disgusting. I will disgusting. tell you. I will tell you. In the first period, grumpy old man, and I think we were able to go ahead and adjust. And, again, we're talking a lot about the Flyers game. Obviously, it's hot. We're going to get and talk about that Washington Capitals game. I'm going to argue, grumpy old man, that Capitals loss was even more egregious than the Flyers loss. Again, I think that we carried action in the second and third periods, grumpy old man. But in the first period – the, both of the Flyers' goals were almost identical. I mean, I, I guess the first one, Grumpy, it was more of an in-transition, and the second one was a turnover based off of, or Kyle Clutterbuck's turnover. But it was the same exact formula, right? It's on the right-hand side of the ice. They pass it cross ice. Then they go ahead and feed it to a wide-open man in front of the net. He's able to just tap it in. And, again, it's like we're just caught out of position in transition and just kind of thinking to myself, man, oh, man. We're a team that has to have the defensive structure, and we give up those easy chances where it's a tap-in goal. It's really tough for us to win, especially when we're in offensive straights like we are now. Well, you better get ready for that for the rest of the year because our offense is not going to get any better. I mean, you got the Hoover line. Uh, they're just – I mean, they just suck, period. They're horrible. Uh, the second line is just such a disaster right now. Bavillier drove – Croc has been invisible this year. And Bailey has been even worse, even worse than it. Kevin Hayes. Is anyone ever thinking, wow, that Kevin Hayes, he's a real whirling dervish out there in the ice. He can really dipsy-doodle with that puck. He did it to Bailey. I mean, I'm like, Kevin – I even – I swear to you, I had to go check their roster and their lineup to see, is that Kevin Hayes? He can't skate like that. He Bailey made him look like – Marcel Dion out there, or Aguila Floor. I mean, it was embarrassing. It's embarrassing. You make him look like Conor McDavid for the younger fans. It was terrible. I'm like, Bailey, you suck. Maybe you ate too much of the 786th game, uh, or eight, well, however many games you play. I don't even care. It doesn't even matter. It's, it's an embarrassment. Uh, the, fact that, the fact that he, you know, has all those games, but he had too much of that cake. 
pregame or something. But I knew the game was going to be bad right off the right off the get go because as soon as I turned it on, I watched the pregame show, and what am I subjected to? AJ Malesko's hair all over the place. I'm like, oh, this is bad news already. <laughs> Grumpy old man. I'll tell you one thing. I know you give AJ Malesko a hard time about her hair all of the time, Grumpy. It's not some of the time. It's all of the time. I know Comb you like your worship. hair. Comb your hair. You don't want to hear me go off on it. Comb it. Run a comb through it. Here, Shannon's got her own problems, but at least she knows how to comb her hair. Put some product in that. Put some product <laughs> in that hair. Oh, grumpy old man. <laughs> um, I'm AJ. Stop. Okay, AJ does a good job. AJ Molesco is a good analyst. Let's be honest here, Grump. She, um, okay, okay. She's an okay analyst, and she's gotten better. There's a I mean, there's a lot of better analysts than AJ Molesco. AJ Malesko's done a good job, and I've liked when she does have a chance there on the national stage. I think she's getting more comfortable when they have those NBC uh, Sports Network games where they don't bring along Butch Goring. Um, I find that they can't put Butch on. They can't put Butch on those broadcasts for certain. They can't. And again, like AJ doesn't have a lot of experience doing it, but I think when she is asked to do it the handful of times every every season, I think she's improving, and she does do uh, an adequate job at that. She, there's still times where she gets a little tongue tied out there and kind of trips over words, kind of like the grumpy old man, you know, but she's getting paid for it. You know, <laughs> I, I, you know but good for her. I mean, seriously, she's in uh, a really good spot where if she can clean up some of the mistakes she makes. She's only been doing this a couple of years. Okay. But if she can clean up uh, some of the mistakes she makes, she's got a real career because I mean, they're pushing women in that role right now. So if she's smart and she learns, uh, you know, to clean up some of those mistakes. She's got a real future at M NBC Sports. Well, I shouldn't say NBC Sports because you, I, I don't know if you realize it, uh, that's going out at the end of the year. There will be no more NBC Sports. Okay, Grumpy. I want to get back to the Islanders' grumpy old man here. We've got a few comments here. Scott saying, A.V. sits um, Tom Skopechny, um, a top player for the Flyers, but Barry, but Barry Trotz cannot sit Bailey or others who are not producing. You see in this shortened in this shortened schedule, teams have and some some coaches have no issue at all benching players that are you know I would I, I would call a sacred cow on our team, Grumpy Old Man um, Barry Trotz. Do you think he ever does anything like that? Grumpy? Absolutely not. He'll never do that. He'll never bench one of bench one of his little buddies. He'll wait. He'll bench a Dobson or a Bellows or a Wallstrom. Let them let them make one mistake out there. Sit him for a couple of games, right? Not he's never going to bench Bailey. Okay, if you're not benching Komarov after the disaster that he's been out there the last couple of games, what do you? How does he get back in the lineup today? How does he deserve a spot on any team, let alone the second line on a major National Hockey League squad? How is it possible? And you know my thoughts about Komarov, grumpy old man. He's Bailey. He's Bailey, one point the whole year. One point the whole year. One point. One point. You know what that translates over a season, over an 82-game season? Ten points. That's about what he is. Ten points a year. He's okay. Player. Okay, Grumpy. Obviously, I know you're just playing into the role of your character, Grumpy old man, here. I will say this much. Um, again, Josh Bailey will turn things around. He'll have more than ten points this season. Again, we're going to have ebbs and flows, Grumpy. And I think it's important to know that we – I think we have – there are a few positives. I think we found a very, very solid third line. I am – I'm excited. I'm excited. There's, you know, as, as many issues as we do have, I think we can definitely all get behind the excitement we have for the third line. 
I mean, I, I'm going to be happy if Jean-Gabriel Pajot gets continued ice time with Oliver Wallstrom and Kiefer Bells. I'm excited to see what that line turns into. Okay. Listen to what you just said. We are excited because we have a good third line. And it's true, we do have a good third line, but what does that say about all the other lines? Okay, stop. Well, I'm going to go ahead and play devil's advocate. Remember the kid line back in the day, grumpy old man? That was a third line for us, too. Yeah, look how they turned out. I certainly hope that this line has a better future than those clowns. You got below average. You got uh, uh, Clark Nelson and Ryan Strom. And who was the other one? Ryan Strom. Ryan Strom. That's right. Who had to, once he got traded, then he turned out to be something good. Okay, grumpy old man. I'm going to tell you this much again. You know, I think Oliver Wasserman goes in the top six role. I think Kiefer Bellis has shown he's shown stretches. He has um, grumpy yeah. old man. So I, I'm excited. I'm excited to see that third line continue. I'm excited to see Jean Gabriel Pajot get hopefully consistent line mates where he's not going to be saddled with guys like Ross Johnson, Leo Komarov, Michael Del Cole, and it's like a, a, a revolving door. I'm happy that he's going to get consistent people, bro. You're going to get no argument from me. I think that line was, was really good. I think against Washington, too, they were finishing their checks. They brought some energy to the team. Wallstrom scored his first goal, uh, first NHL point. Uh, he's got as many points this year as uh, Josh Bailey, and he just played, you know, I think, what, maybe 20 minutes the whole year, and he's already got the same amount of points as the king of the set of the secondary assist. We, we've got a few comments, Grumpy, and I see that we have some new people to the podcast. They're not necessarily familiar with your role on this podcast, Grump. Joe chiming in, this podcast is embarrassing. He's asking Grumpy if he ever laced up the skates. Grumpy did. Uh, <laughs> Joe doesn't obviously watch or, watch or listen to the podcast very often. He um, needs to keep listening. He needs to keep listening. You want to learn? Keep listening. <laughs> <laughs> uh, grumpy old man. I'll tell you though, um, I want to kind of shift focus and talk about the Washington Capitals game. You want to talk about embarrassing. I, I don't, I'm not really embarrassed. I, I didn't think the loss tonight, the overtime loss was as bad. That Washington Capitals loss was embarrassing for me as a fan. I think it was embarrassing for the players on that team and the Islanders. I mean, we remember we had a three goal lead against the Washington Capitals and we lost. Mind you, they were missing what equates to 27, roughly almost $28 million in cap space between Ovechkin, Orloff, Kuznetsov, and Samsonov. They were missing four big pieces on their team, and they mounted a five five unanswered goal comeback. And they, they were so dominant in that second period, they didn't even have to register but one shot on net the entire third period. I think the only shot they had on net in the third period was the empty net goal. That's right. And I'm just thinking to myself, I'm like, grumpy old man. I, it's bad when you see teams say and they admit, you know what, we can lay back. We don't even have to register shots on net in the third period if we have a substantial enough lead because the Islanders pose virtually no threat of offense. That is discouraging for me. And, I mean, again, we were in that entire third period. We knew we had to press. We didn't do much, grumpy old man. That Capitals game, I think, was much – it stung a lot worse than the Flyers game tonight. I don't mind the Flyers' loss as much, even though we played well in the second and third period. That Capitals game, in my opinion, was – that's unexcusable losses like that. Well, and here's another instance where your mismanagement of the salary cap wound up leaving your goalie out there to get embarrassed. I mean, it was pretty obvious after the third goal that Varlamov needed to be yanked. And, you know, he didn't play poorly tonight except for that last goal, he probably wants that back. But when you're out there and 
you know, the last time I saw a guy left in the net that long uh, was Patrick Waugh, and he got traded, like, within 48 hours. He said he'd never played for Montreal again, and he got dealt. And when you're sending Sorokin down and you're bringing up Corey Snyder because you can't manage your cap appropriately because you got to play Leo Komarov, well, what does that tell you, right? We mismanage the cap, and if he's not ready to play, why is he even on your roster? You should have put Snyder in there. I don't care how many goals he gave up. You should have saved Varlamov from getting embarrassed out there. I, I thought that was a mistake by uh, Islander management. So. I mean, like, that's a game too, Grumpy Old Man. I, you talk about the mismanagement of the cap, and that's all because they have this idea of, yes, we need to have Leo Komarov in the lineup in some capacity. And this is this is what is continuing to baffle me. We've seen it. He's only played three games. And in that short time period, he takes that five-minute major. He's out there on the ice later on that game. He doesn't mark his man, which leads directly to a tap-in goal for our, you know the opposing Devils. And then today, right, it's the same exact thing. Not, not, of course, the penalty or anything like that, grumpy old man. But he goes ahead, doesn't mark his man, and he gives up that goal against the Flyers today. I, I believe the goal was not against the Devils. It was the first game against Washington where he took the five-minute penalty, then came out and was out there for the last shift of the game, doesn't mark his man, and that's the guy who winds up scoring. Yes, and, against against the Washington Capitals. You're right there, Rumpy. Right, and then he was disastrous on the second line uh, in the second Washington game, and then today, again, uh, leaves his man and is responsible well, Bailey and him actually responsible for that second goal. Josh for not clearing the zone when he had a chance, and Komarov for just not marking his man back. And you know how many how many times you got to see that? I mean, these are these are your veterans, right? They're playing because they're so solid defensively. They bring nothing offensively to the table, and these are the guys that are costing you games by having brain farts out there on the defensive end. It's it's, it's not good. It's not and good. And this That's is it. Grump. I got hold on, Grump. I got to intervene. I, I think that brings up a good point. Uh, I'm sorry. I'll let you finish here, but we got to go ahead and get to some comments. That said, we did play much better in the second and third period. Komarov included. He played much better in the second and third period. Okay, gotcha, Grumpy. Uh, we got some comments. Leo having more ice time than Bellows and Wallstrom makes me want to puke. And again, we see that. And I think we're always going to see that. It doesn't matter how well Bellows or Wallstrom performs. I think, you know, with those younger guys, they always get more limited sample sizes for whatever reason. They're more reluctant to go ahead and give them the chance and to give them that ice time. I mean, what has Bellows or Wallstrom shown defensive laps-wise that Leo Komarov hasn't shown in his three short games? Nothing, but they don't have the, they don't have the faith of the coach. The coach believes in veterans. That's that's Those are just facts. Those are not going to change. He doesn't like to play young guys. They have to be superior to even have a shot. Superior. I mean, I think Wallstrom and Bellows and Pajot, he should not touch that line the rest of the year. That line should never be touched. We need more talent. I mean, you lose – I mean, I like Anthony Bavillier, but let's be honest. He's really just a guy. He's a streaky goal scorer, but you lose him off your team – and you fall apart offensively, what would happen if we lost Matt Barzal for any period of time? Would we ever score? Mm. Yeah, Matt Barzal definitely drives the majority of the offense. And it's a good point, Grumpy. We also have a comment here from Vinny saying, how does Bailey have two shifts in overtime? I know the answer to that because he didn't give up. A, he wasn't on the ice for a goal for the first shift, so they figured they'd throw him out there for the second one <laughs> to make sure we lost. <laughs> he doesn't. Josh Bailey doesn't do anything. There's nothing that stands out about Josh Bailey. Nothing. 
<sighs> Josh Bailey is more of a complimentary piece. He's never going to – I mean, he he has streaks where he, you know, will display good vision, a nice pass here or there, good puck handling. Again, Josh Bailey's never going to be a guy who takes it from end to end and just completely dominates and scores a goal. Grump, just not who he is. Um, I guess I have a different expectation of Josh Bailey. He's not, and he never will be, the position of what they drafted him for. Uh, so, again, like with Josh Bailey, I, people love him or hate him. I think he's a moot point. Um, we do need more performance, though, out of our top six. I know you know, our first line drove a lot of offense. We had a lot of shots. Um, Jordan Everly with a nice snipe here again today. I know Jordan Everly is a lot of people, a lot of Islander fans whipping boy. But, again, he finishes. And he's finished here early. He's another streaky goalie too, grumpy old man. It's good that he's getting hot, and we need more of these streaky players to get hot. Yeah, he is a streaky player, but he's a, he's a guy who at least shoot the puck. You realize Josh Bailey only has 12 shots on goal the whole year. Adam Pellick has 16. I want you let that soak in. Our most defensive defenseman has 16 shots on goal. Josh Bailey has 12. 12 shots on goal through eight games. Well, I'm set through seven games. I don't know what he had today. Probably nothing. But let's say that, right? 12 shots on goal in seven games from your number two winger on your winger on your second line. His refusal to shoot the puck when he's right there in the slot is just baffling and mind boggling. And you I see it, it's, it's, it's there all the time. I will say this too, Grumpy Man, talking about the not wanting to shoot aspect, grumpy old man. The Islanders power play after three unsuccessful attempts here today, I believe it was three unsuccessful attempts here today, is now five for 30 on the season, grump. Um, not great. Again, power play looks like we're back in the same old song and dance and the same old struggle we've been in for a while. Comes down to talent. It comes down to talent. We don't have a real shooter. It was nice. I was well, I was pleased to see Oliver Wallstrom play on the second power play unit today. Nothing came of it, but that kid needs to be out there. He's a shooter. Optimally, I'd like him on the first power play unit in the trigger position instead of Ryan Pulak. That's what I'd like. Dobson, Lee down low, uh, Barzal. The trigger position is Wallstrom, and if you want to have uh, – if you want to have uh, Pulak at the other point, if you want to run a two-point system, that's fine. But uh, that's that's what we need. We, we need somebody who actually will shoot the puck. And that's one thing the young guys do. They shoot the puck. I like it about them. Again, we've always talked about this. Throw the puck on net and good things will happen. I mean, you look at Kiefer Bellis's goal. I'm sorry, Oliver Wallstrom's goal. I mean, his first goal of the season. I mean, he just threw – I think – was that his first career NHL goal too, Grumpy? I think it was. It sure was. It was a beautiful shot. Bounced off of it was a uh, you know a pinball shot. Bounced off of two defenders and into the net. Mm. Yeah, Grump. <laughs> I was about to say that's what happens when you throw the puck on that. Again, like the young guys, you're right. They're not looking for the perfect goal. They're just throwing the puck towards the net. I think that's the mentality we have to take. We're a team that struggles scoring. And again, we've still been struggling all season long. Like we're averaging like right around two goals a game, Grumpy. So uh, you know, not great. Not great at all, Grump. You're not gonna you're not gonna win scoring two goals a game. You're just not 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 long term. You can do it for short spurts if your defense is superior and your goaltending is excellent. But for the for the long run, you're not gonna win. You're not gonna win anything. You're not certainly not gonna win a championship scoring scoring two goals a game. Well, right, now, right now, what type of upgrades do you, can we make? 
we well this is this is you know i've been talking with the members there and again like long time listeners out of the podcast on twitter facebook we are so up against the cap it gives you no leverage when trading or trying to make moves again you don't have the freedom to say you know what walk we'll walk from this because really in reality there are a lot of different suitors because we have that flexibility and that's why I think, again, I, I think I don't want to go back to the Devontae's t- trade, but I mean, we traded away a guy who is the top four, plays on the first defensive pairing there in Colorado at the moment with Cole McCarr. We traded away a guy who probably going to have 30 plus points to season, maybe a career high in points for two late second round picks. And this is the thing, even as we're talking about future implications and what moves we have there in the future, Grump, we're still on the same exact issue in the scenario. Because we're so close to the cap, we really don't have a lot of wiggle room to actually use our pieces to our advantage. We're not going to get the full value. We just don't have a leg to stand on. And that's the thing that worries me. Long term, that's what worries me. That's what happens when you sign overage veterans to long-term deals at big money who don't produce like that. That's going to back and bite you in the butt, and it's certainly done. It certainly happened here, and it's going to continue for the next few years. There's nothing else we can do with a flat cap. There's nothing we can do. There is, there are no other options for points in our farm system. There are none. I mean, let's be honest, right? Otto Koivu is maybe the only one, but where's where would he play on this team? There's no spot for him to play. They've turned him into a defensive forward is what they want him to be. They want everyone to play defense. They don't care if anyone scores. Yeah, I mean, like we're going to have to see. I mean, I think tomorrow because the Islanders have, you know, the back end of a doubleheader against the Flyers there tomorrow, Grumpy. Uh, what do you put the over under that we are going to see Sorokin in the net? I think, I think Sorokin will play tomorrow. And, and here, here's my question, Grump. What do you expect out of tomorrow's game? I think we'll win um, only because these games, when you're playing back-to-back like that, it's tough to beat a team two nights in a row. It is. The only team that loses two nights in a row is the Islanders, like we did to the Capitals. But uh, if well, not, Hold on. That wasn't two nights in a row. Right, but the back-to-back games, when you're playing the same team back-to-back. I mean, you saw it when we played the Rangers. We win the first one. We roll in the first, we get rolled in the second one. The Devils, we roll them, and then we get rolled. And you know those are, you know, those are just kind of tough games. I just think, uh, I mean, really, we should. Well, you come, you bet three nothing lead in the first period on Washington, down five guys. You should win that game. I, I mean, that's inexcusable, right? But I think that we'll probably come back, and I think we'll beat the Flyers tomorrow. I, I do. We were down four. They were down four of their key guys, grumpy old man. But that's right. And the funny thing is, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, man, oh, man, when is the last time Barry Trotz has given up five or Barry Trotz led team has given up five goals in one period? Sure enough, grumpy old man, it was against the Washington Capitals last year, almost a year ago, uh, almost a year to the date when that happened, grumpy old man. I just cut, I couldn't help but chuckle. And I think to myself, I'm like, wow, man, oh, man, they're doing it without Ovechkin, Kuznetsov. Samsonov as well as Orloff. But I think Backstrom was out also. I don't think Backstrom back, played. Backstrom played the second. Backstrom played. played okay. Yes. Okay. Uh, and I think the last time that he gave up five goals in a row was wasn't that after the Devon Taves uh, goal game when he did the little celebration in the second period? I you know what? I'm glad you brought that up, Grump. I totally forgot he did that little eagle. Uh yeah, and that's right. We completely shit the bed right after that. That's right. <laughs> 
Oh God. I was, feeling, I was feeling good that night up till then. He did that too. And I couldn't help but think to myself, I'm like, man, oh man, you can't do dumb stuff like that. And again, he got torn into him. Sure. By bear as he should. Anytime you do something dumb like that, and it directly leads to the other team gaining momentum and enthusiasm and they roll you the rest of the game and you lose, you can't help but feel a little responsible for that loss. I mean, <laughs> you don't want to piss off a giant. <laughs> no, you don't. And you know, you're seeing, the cream kind of is rising to the top already, right? Boston, Washington, Philadelphia. They're the best teams in the division. They just are. I think everybody else is fighting for fourth. Grump, where does that leave us? On the outside looking in. It, that was a loaded question. I knew your answer all the time. <laughs> Grump, I'll tell you, man, it's – we have to start turning things around. I, I will tell you, now is a good time. If we want to start building momentum, now is the time we could do so. I think we have to build off of what we put forward in the second and third period today. We have to come out. Again, I don't think we're going to be as dominant as we were in the second and third period today throughout the entire game tomorrow against the Flyers. But after the Flyers, we play the Buffalo Sabres in back-to-back games. So this is a chance to really build off and get some momentum, get some confidence going back for the Islanders as well. Yeah, Buffalo can score, though. I mean, teams that can score are going to give us problems. Uh, we don't score. I mean, I, 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 I mean, it's it's hard when you can't put the puck in the net or you just won't shoot the puck is another one. I mean, it's so frustrating. Honestly, it's so frustrating. And the most frustrating part to me is I don't see a way out of it right now because it's not like we can make a trade for anyone or that we can bring anyone up. Uh, we're just kind of, we are where we are and that's what happens. I mean, you know, when your GM and your coach admit to the media, two tight lipped guys like them admit to the media two years ago, we need to add scoring to this team and you do nothing to, uh, remedy that situation. What do you expect to have happen? I mean, I mean, just look at it just rationally and calmly. It's like, what do you expect to happen? Two years ago, you knew you didn't have scoring. You've done nothing to improve it, and all your players just got older. We did We did do one thing from that time period, grumpy old man, which, again, we omit, and it was a good move by Lou Lamarillo. Again, as much as, much as we give Lou Lamarillo his rightful and just criticism, we also need to go ahead and give him props as well. He brought in Jean-Gabriel Pajot. Third-line center. He's a third-line center. That does not remedy – are offensive problems. And I love J.G. Pajot. Everyone who listens to this podcast knows that. But he's a third-line center. You didn't bring him in to be a goal scorer. You brought him in to be the third-line center. And he's done that job admirably. And I think he's – I think his professionalism is going to rub off on these two kids. I think, you know, that line is going to be real good. But that's not why – you didn't bring him in to lead the team in scoring or be a sniper. Or get yourself a winger who could actually work with Matt Barzal. We still don't have that. I have to think, hopefully, they're trying to groom Walsh and Rebellos for that role. And, you know, hopefully by the end of the season, they will be given an actual chance there for that grump. Not happening. It's not going to happen. And, I, and honestly, I wouldn't try to rush them into that role. It seems like they work well together with J.G. Pajot. You're kind of, I mean, they're not going to break up the first line. They're not going to break up the first line. My point is this. And throughout the season, again, the last two years, and again, everybody can hear, I am knocking on wood. The last two seasons, I mean, if we look back two years ago, we were almost 
we were extremely healthy throughout the entirety of the year. I think we lost Scott Mayfield for a short time period. He took that slap shot to the foot, but we really didn't have any injuries two years ago. Last season, we did have obviously the injury there to Adam Pellick. But again, not really many injuries the last two seasons to anybody in our top six. This year is the first time that we've lost any member of our top six for an extended stretch that had to be placed on the IR. This is the first time, Grumpy, I believe. Uh, and again, Anthony Bavillier, member there, that top six. Just looking at the odds, I don't expect this miraculous run of health for our top six to continue. I mean, just looking at the odds game, I'm expecting maybe we might lose one more guy this year. Who knows? I'm saying this. How long can you continue to keep Leo Komarov on the second line? I know they said, hey, Bavillier, before he got placed on the IR, he's day-to-day. Yeah, BS. He's not day-to-day. I mean, the way he went down, you can tell that those back injuries, especially when you're going to be skating and you need to go ahead and skate, you know, 17-some-odd minutes a night, I mean, that's not something you can continue to fight through all season long. You're going to need to make sure that thing's 100% healed before you get thrown back out there. How long can we see Leo Komarov there at the, on that second line? Because I know you said it's not showing much offense now. How much do you think Leo Komarov hinders that offensive performance? He's a black hole out there. He has no offensive performance. I mean, what are your other options? Michael Del Cole, Ross Johnston. I mean, that's what happens when you have all of your guys locked into long-term deals, right? Look at how many guys are locked into long-term deals on this team. Like, like I said, when you have that many guys locked into those big long-term deals, there's no movement on your team. And that means that guys aren't, you know, there's no motivation. There's no uh, pressure for them to do better. They just know they're going to get rolled out every night. I always think the best way to get the best out of a player is to give them competition. And there's no competition for any spots on this team. There haven't been for a long time. There's been no competition. They've had the same set lines for the most part since Barry Crotts and Lou Lamarillo have been there. I want to stop you there. I think there's more competition this year for spots in the lineup than there have been the prior two years. Given, I don't think there's all that much competition this year. But again, there still is competition, right? If we're thinking about it, honestly, right on that second line, I guess you're running through a rotation of – I mean, Ross hasn't played on the second line. But if we're if we're looking at the Leo Komarov situation, right, it's by either Leo, Michael Del Cole, or Ross Johnson is what it seems like. Those guys are all fighting and vying for spots. And again, I'm not saying that Timisov or Sarnak is going to be the answer there, but man, oh man, I can tell you one thing. Rolling out Leo Komarov on the second line certainly isn't the answer. You know, I feel that uh, Timisov is a 4A player, and but I wouldn't mind giving Jarnak a shot. But, but here's the problem. They're all bottom six guys too. They're not top six guys. So even if you throw one of them out there, what are you expecting? I mean, I guess I would throw Jarnak out there first. But is he going to solve the problems on the second line? When Bavillier was healthy this year, they weren't producing because he wasn't playing well. He's the driver for that line. And with him gone, I mean, there's, there's not much difference in what he was playing than what he's not now right now, actually. So, I mean, we, got, we have a few more comments here. Grumpy old man here from Bill Brady. TJ, how do you grade Wallstrom and Bellows? Uh, Bellows, again, I think he's done an admirable job of actually trying to fit into his role. As a, and again, he's not afraid to throw the body. He's playing and embracing that third-line checker role. He shows moments where maybe I think he can have a little bit of offensive acumen. Hopefully he can roll maybe into a top-six player. I mean, Wallstrom, again, limited sample size. 
I want to see him continue to get more ice time and more time out there in a special teams unit. But again, he's a guy where if we're able to see that shot a little more, I think we could see something special out of him. I give them both B's so far, solid B's. I think they've been fine. They've not been a problem for this team. They have not. And, and you're seeing the more they play, the more they play together, the better they get. And that's why I'm saying don't even touch that line. Leave that line together. I don't care what you do with the other ones. I mean, he's not going to change the first line. It's not going to happen. I know they did today a little bit when Wallstrom went down. He put Bailey up there on the first line, if you can believe that. But, uh, you know, your first line is going to generally remain intact. Your third line is going to remain intact. The fourth line is never changing. And here's the problem. I, the point that I was making before, there was no competition. The only competition in the last couple of years was for the guys on the third line. The first two lines and the fourth line were always set. And when you have that type of mentality that they know they're going to get rolled out every night, the hunger isn't there. Where you're seeing these guys are scrapping for position. Maybe that's why they're playing so hard. I was about to say, I always believe that competition brings out the best in every situation. And again, if you don't compete, you're not a competitor. You don't deserve the spot. You're a mental midget. I will say this much. We haven't seen it out of the fourth line this year. You know, And now we're starting to get to a point where, okay, after tomorrow's game, grumpy old man, we'll be almost, we'll be almost 20% of the way through the season. Well, and you got your energy line which is what the fourth line is, you got three guys. And I'm going to say Casey is 30, all right? He might be 29. But you have guys in their 30s. They're not going to bring the energy they did when they were in their 20s. They're, they're at the tail end. Of, all of them are at the tail end of their careers. Casey, just because of the, the you know, the injuries he's had over his time, Clutterbuck is, you know, and he's, they, it's not that they don't try, but they just don't have the same skill level that they used to. And I will say, okay, I want to take it back. If we won't be 20% after tomorrow's game, we'll be like 17, 18%, just in case somebody's like, hey, it's not exactly 20. But we're going to be roughly about 20% of the way through the season. And I know we got at least one point tonight. But let's say, grumpy old man, I'm going to play devil's advocate. Let's take an adventure down imagination lane. Let's say we start off the season three, five, and one, grumpy old man. And again, we're we're definitely not in a playoff picture yet. It's a shortened season. I know where you already are. And again, like when we, when I sent out that poll, I mean, there was a great response there from the Islanders community. I loved it. I was able to read, kind of take in a whole bunch of information, but it seems like there was a healthy group of people in every single section, whether they weren't really worried at all or very, very short into the season. Hey, I'm a little worried. Yes. I'm starting to take concern or I'm completely worried. There seemed to be healthy and good arguments there from every single aspect. Grumpy old man. I, if we don't win tomorrow, I think you're going to see a lot more of that shifting. Well, that's any time that you're losing a bunch of games, you're going to see that. Now, I remember last week there was a comment addressed to the grumpy old man, and I was critical of the Islanders, even though they were three and one at the time. I said that I saw that we were in trouble. And they're like, grumpy old man, we're three and one. What do you have to complain about? Well, now we're three, four and one. So what do you have to be happy about, I guess would be my comment, because we don't seem like we're doing anything. I mean, offensively, except for the, the first line, really, we're a black hole. Defensively, I mean, even though I saw a nice improvement from Mayfield and Letty, and I think Noah Dobson is going to be a stud, uh, I just – I mean, we are what we are, but if we can't score goals, we're not going to win games. It's just that simple. 
Yeah, uh, we got here. I'm, I'm trying to look here at post game interview wise, grumpy old man. Um, this is Scott Mayfield talking first period. I think everybody sat down after the first in the locker room and thought about it, and we just realized that we had to do better. I think we came out better in the second and the third, a lot better. And again, like Barry Trotz said this earlier on this week, our guys don't have that playoff mentality right now. They need to play every single game with that playoff mentality. Again, to play devil's advocate, when you have to carry the playoff mentality game in and game out, man, oh, man, not only is that a tough ask from your players, I think the Islanders group can do it, but Jesus, man, that wears on you. You can't do that all year long. It not only wears on you physically, but mentally as well. And I think mentally we're we're tough enough to handle it. But remember, we're one of the oldest teams in the league. You're playing every other day. It's going gonna, it's gonna to wear you out. Especially the, the our style of play, we don't get easy wins. Every game is a battle. It's just hard. And to say that you're going to have to play like that for like 70 games if you want to go far in the playoffs, I just think it's an unreasonable expectation from Barry Trotz. I just do. And, and here, here it is, right? You're talking about competition. Again, the fourth line hasn't been great. I don't think Matt Martin's been great. At Clutterbuck, he showed moments. But, again, I, I know they, they serve other roles, too, on the special teams. They've served a penalty kill role, which is why we don't need Leo Komarov in the lineup. But, again, you need to go ahead and really light a fire under him. I really – I 100% believe that. I have no problem at all if you were to go ahead and place somebody else in favor of one of these t- – again, somebody on the fourth line. That line needs to be woken up. Everybody who thinks they have a safe spot needs to be woken up as, yeah, you know what, maybe I need to go ahead and work a little harder. Not My, my job's not safe. It's not like I can go in, go out, you know, even if I'm hitting a little bit of a low point and I go 15 games without a goal, uh, I could just roll out there still on the top six line. That shouldn't be the mindset. You, the mindset should be just like with every other profession. When you don't perform, you can get fired. You can lose your spot. Somebody else is underneath you working just as hard to go ahead and get that chance and that opportunity. And if you're not performing, you deserve to have your, your job jeopardized. And I, we don't have that. We never have. And I don't think we ever will under Mary Trotz. No. I mean, and that's the whole thing. I mean, think about it. You're talking – Lamarillo and Trotz have been there for three years now, right? This is the third season with them. The only line that's changed is the third line. Everything else is staying status quo. I mean, what's the competition for these other guys? I, as everyone knows, I'm a firm believer that your fourth line should be a, a young bunch of fire eaters. Send them out there, just you know, skate with their hair on fire, just attack everything out there. And here's the thing. This line used to be that, but they're not anymore. They're old. Their time is done. It's time to transition away. That's where your young players should be. Just give them the expectation and send them out there. They have something to play for. You know, Clutterbuck is 33. Martin is 32. Casey is 29. The physical style that they play, those guys don't last forever. They just don't. I mean, and you don't, and, and teams, I'll be honest, you don't need eight seven, eight, nine guys who can play the penalty kill. I'm sorry, you really don't need that. I think that's overkill. I know the penalty kill has been good this season. It's not like every single player on our team has to be versatile enough to play the penalty kill. At one point in time, you have to look and say, you know what, we're going to sacrifice you know, our eighth or ninth penalty killer on this team and maybe go ahead and try to value offensive production a little more because, again, we're not scoring goals still. And we've got an interesting comment here from Brian, and I think this is important to show you, grumpy old man. The Islanders are 22 24 and 10 since that 17 game point streak in the regular season. 
that's a long sample size, and that's good. I, the thing is, like, I knew we were, I knew we had struggled, and especially at the end of last season, before the hiatus, we were not going to make the playoffs. If things had continued after that seven, I think we were on a seven-game losing streak. It did not look like we were going to make the playoffs. I know we get made it to the Eastern Conference Finals, but grumpy old man, it hasn't been great after that seventeen-game uh, point streak. No, we've just been an average team. You know, one win, one loss, nothing. But it's tough. But the whole thing is. It's tough when you don't have any offense with the exception of one guy on your whole team and every game is a grind. Every game is going to be two to one, one, nothing, three to two. I mean, those, it's tough to play like that and be successful night after night. It just is. And eventually guys wear down and you saw it last year before the hiatus where we were, we were finished. We were worn out. We came back fresh uh, off the break. And I think it helped us this year. Our lack of offensive talent is really getting the better of us. I mean, it's Matt Barzal or bust for the most part. Uh, you know, and he's taking a big leap, leap in his game. It reminds me when John Tavares first started here, right? If Matt, if John Tavares didn't do something offensively, that was it. The team wasn't doing anything. That's how this offense makes me feel now. That's how this offense okay. makes me feel now. Okay. I understand that, grumpy old man. I, again, like as soon as you were saying, hey, they're burnt out from that style of play, Angelo chimes in saying the same exact thing. They're just burnt out from that style of play. It's a real tough ask to ask a veteran team of guys. I mean, our average age, I think we're the second or the third oldest team in the NHL, maybe the fourth oldest team. We're an old team, is my point. And to ask these older players to have that playoff style, they understand what it takes to have the playoff mentality, which is important. But asking them to play that every single game, night in, night out, is a really tough ask. And the Eastern Conference is a physical conference. And you're playing the same teams night after night. They know what to do. Washington knows how to play us. Boston knows how to play us. I know, I know Boston I know Boston lost, but they do know how to play us. They lost to us earlier this year, but they know how to play us. And Boston is definitely up their game since then. They had one bad game, and Cassidy called them on the carpet, and they've been on fire since. They're, here's the thing. They got more talent than we have. I mean, they just know. We saw against the Washington Capitals, they took that lead, and then they just sit back and they say, Islanders, beat us with your offensive ability. We're just going to go ahead. They played the same exact style, and I guess that was what pissed me off too. They played in the third period the same exact style the Islanders play throughout the majority of the games that they win, where after they go ahead and get you know a few-goal lead, they just go ahead and make those quick little dumps. They try to go ahead and sustain a little bit of offensive pressure, not too much. But in the same token, they just want to go ahead and make sure they're sitting four guys back almost so you can't get beat in transition. The Washington Capitals did the same thing. We couldn't break the actual – we couldn't break the blue line with success, and we had no we had no sustained offensive time there against the Washington Capitals in that second in that second loss of the season. The second loss of them this season. Yeah, and you're also – Laviolette's a really good coach. I mean, I, I don't think you can underestimate that. You know, I like players win games uh, for certain, but, uh, you know, the coach can put the guys in the best chance to succeed. And I don't think Reardon did that when he was there last year uh, or the year before, and I think that hurt them. Uh, but Laviolette, uh, he's, a, he's a good coach. I mean, think about it. If they, had, if they had Ovechkin and the other three guys back, those games wouldn't even have been close. The second game wasn't close, but the first game wouldn't have been close either. Yeah, grumpy old man. I, I don't disagree. 
Um, and that's that's the scariest part about it. And that's the part that's been bugging me for a while is two losses, or I guess, I'm sorry, one loss to the Rangers out of the two games we played them, one loss to the Devils out of two games we played them, and two, loss to a, two losses to the Washington Capitals without Ovechkin, Samsonov, Orloff, or Kuznetsov. That's a little worrisome. To me, at least, we've had a very, very small sample size. And again, I'm trying to take everything with a grain, with a grain of salt. There's ebbs and flows to the season. We could just be at one of those time periods where we're, you know, we're a little bit down. So again, I'm trying to play devil's advocate, grumpy old man. I just, I just don't see how we're going to rev our game up. That's, that's my issue. It's not like the schedule is going to get easier for us. It's not like our older players are going to have fresher legs going every other night. It's just, it's just a, t- it's a tough way to win games. I, I, as the preseason, I figured we had when we spoke in the early season, I figured we had to come out really, really strong out of the gate. And if we didn't, we were going to be in trouble. And that's what we're seeing now. I, this is not a team that's going to string together 10, 15 straight wins. Just, it's just not going to happen because we just don't have any offense. We have no offense. Well, it's, it's not. I don't think any team's going to string 10 or 15 game winning streaks or point streaks like we've seen in the past. Because when you're playing every team, you know, night to night, almost essentially, the likelihood of that's going to be very low because teams have a chance to prepare. They know exactly how they beat you. They're able to make those live adjustments here. Grumpy Man, we have another comment here saying, these other teams have spent time reading and watching on how we play. And now they know they can take a page out of the same book every game. We're tired and predictable. I'm not sure we're so tired yet. Um Grump, I'll let you chime in though. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna say we're tired and predictable. Uh, what I'm gonna say we're is, predi- I think we're predictable for certain. Yeah, but why? Why? Because we don't have the talent to do anything else. That's why. That's why we're predictable because we don't have any high end offensive players. We don't want to shake it up a little bit. Get some more offense out there. They know. Stop Matt Barzell. You stop the New York Islanders. It's it's just that plain and simple. I mean, no one else has shown throughout their careers that they're going to step up and be consistent producers. They, they just haven't. And Grumpy Old Man, we got another comment here from Brian saying, that's why the best teams in the league, in the league can win 6-5 to five or 2-1. to one. We only play one way. And again, we can, of course, score more than two goals, but in an ideal scenario, the Islanders want to score two goals to win every single night. And he says, we're like the 80s football teams that runs three times and punts. We need a new GM and coach that thinks more like it's 2000 or 2021, not 1999. Not again, like, I don't, I try not to, I try. I remember that song, Prince, 1999. I'm no. going to disagree with Brian a little bit there. Uh, the 80s football teams were run, run, pass, not run, run, punt. <laughs> uh, grumpy old man, I'll tell you this. I I, I, try, I mean, like, we give Barry criticism every once in a while. And, again, he definitely has his faults. But the same token, he's – Blue provides a team for him. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure they're on the same page. But, again, Blue provides that team for him there, Grump. Uh, and look, look who was brought in. He's been there three years. He brought in fourth liner Matt Martin, third liner JG Pajot, and sixth defenseman Andy Green. That's it. That's all he's brought into the team in three years. That's not true, Grumpy Old Man. You forgot about Tinasov. You forgot about Cernak. You forgot about Corey Schneider, Grumpy. There's so many other big pieces you're forgetting about. There was one other. He brought in Varlamov also. He let go of Leonard and brought in Barlamov. And he also brought and he also brought Sorokin over. 
Okay, but he didn't make a. He, he was already on the property. They just had to sign a contract. He to me name a trade, something that he did where he actually dealt someone to make the team better to improve our scoring, which has been lacking since day one since he's got there, and they acknowledged it. They acknowledged it, and they've done nothing to rectify the situation. I mean, those are just facts. I mean, I know they're it's painful. It's painful for Islander fans to hear that, but though that's just the truth of the matter. We don't. We need more offensive firepower. Until he does that, this is what we're going to see. We're going to see games where we lose in overtime, or we win two to one, or we lose two to one, or we lose one nothing. I mean, there's no breathing room for this team. I mean, we had a chance, perhaps in the off season, to pick up a Patrick Line. Did he even inquire? I have no idea. But all I know is the only trade we made was to get rid of a top four defenseman who's a number one. He's a, a top pair defenseman in Colorado, even though he did get injured. He's going to miss some time, uh, hurt his foot. But you know, he's got three goals. He'd be, lead, he'd be leading our team in scoring. Goal scoring. No, no Three goals. He would not lead our team in goal scoring. Matt Parzal would still lead our team in goal scoring. Or he'd be tied for the lead in goal scoring, grumpy old man. Brian brings up a good point. How could we also forget about Leo Komarov? We left Leo Komarov off the list of another amazing addition by Lou Lamarillo, grumpy old man. Thank you there, Brian, for that. Um, Again, again, what is he? An over 30-year-old grinder whose best days, who couldn't even play in Toronto anymore. He picked up two guys from Toronto we brought over, didn't even skate regular shifts for them the last year they were there. I mean, but they're good enough to start on this team. To play devil's advocate, again, grumpy old man, we're, it's more of the system, right? I try not to think too much about Toronto there, grumpy old man. I mean, hell, Toronto hasn't won a playoff series in how many years? So, again, I try not to compare us too much. And, I, and I'll tell you this much. Barry Trotz is the only reason that this ragtag squad is as successful as it is. Again, I think he does a great job of making the sum greater than the parts, but it's just really tough ass to have him come in with this attitude that, yes, the team that lacks offensive ability, we're going to somehow fix that through the means of, I don't know. And the thing is, like, maybe if it was through Bellows or Wallstrom, they would be receiving more ice time with, you know, more offensively skilled line mates, but it's not the case. And that's why I'm hoping this, you know, start with Jean-Gabriel Pajot will help kind of get them going in their career grump. I mean, like I said, I'm happy with what they're providing. I am. We need more than that. We need more than an improved third line to compete for the playoffs. We need an improved first line. And You're not, I, 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 that, that's not the point I'm trying to make. I'm saying that when they do start getting that time on the ice with Jean-Gabriel Pajot, their roles grow. They need to be – I'm talking about this season, grumpy old man. I don't see this being a season we're going to light the scoreboards on fire. It's just not going to be the case. And as we start getting to the points where we need to shake things up even more than they have already been shooken up, guys like Wallstrom and Bellos, if they continue to perform and if they continue to grow in the limited sample size we've seen, those are guys that you need to say, you know what – Josh Bailey, we've had you out there. You haven't performed. Somebody else is going to take your ice time. If that's the case, then you know what I mean? You're on the way. To, that's the type of competition you need, Grump. Okay. Do you think he's going to do that? I I don't, I don't even – not even in my wildest dreams do I see that happening. He's continuing to play Leo Kabarov, who's absolutely finished. And here's the thing. Josh Bailey, for all the grief that I give him, is probably three times better 
than Rio Komarov is. I mean, there's no way. I've always said I like Josh Bailey as a third-line winger. I think he'd be good in that role. He's not a goal scorer. He's not an assist man. But, I mean, you've seen he doesn't care about the young guys. It's all about the veterans with him, all about the veterans. He's not going to bench those guys. He's not going to demote them. He's just not going to do that. He's never shown that he's going to do that. I want to chime in. Josh Bailey has played the third line before in the Barry Trots. That's my point. When things get bad enough, he's going to have to continue to change things up. And, like, I, I think, again, I think we can hopefully win this game tomorrow against the Flyers, and we need to build momentum. You have two games against the Buff- the lowly Buffalo Sabres. You have to win some. You have to get some points. You have to start getting your form in better shape because, again, the tougher part of our schedule is going to come. We haven't played the Pittsburgh Penguins at all yet this season. We've got seven games remaining against the Boston Bruins. We've only played the Capitals without key members of their team in the lineup. And those are the things I worry about, Grump. We need to start building some momentum. If we don't build momentum soon here, it's going to be we are already in the hole, and no matter what we do, it would take a Herculean effort for us to make the playoffs. This is the thing. You can't start off too slow for a team that doesn't score a lot. When you're playing everybody close to the division, game in and game out, it's going to be really tough to string together huge winning streaks. Yeah, I mean, this is a really, really tough division. It's They all know one another extremely well. And it's a physical division. I mean, I, I just, like I said, I thought we had to come out really strong out of the shoot, and we haven't for the most part. We, we haven't. We played really what I would consider two really good games the whole year. Two. That's it. Out of, out of what, eight? Two out of eight? That's not going to cut it. Yeah, we played really well. And, again, the games you're talking about are the first game against the Rangers and the first time we played the Devils so far this season. Again, it's young in the season, but the shortened season does not help us out. Uh, Grumpy Old Man, also have a question here. Would you move Lou Lamarillo uh, up to only team president role and hire Jim Rutherford as general manager? Well, as people who don't know, Jim Rutherford resigned for personal reasons from Pittsburgh this week, and he was really successful. I remember him as a goalie for the Detroit Red Wings in the 1970s. Um, and, you know, I was really surprised. I think he was with uh, Carolina for a while also as GM. Uh, but he had a lot of success in Pittsburgh. And I don't know the nuts and bolts behind why he resigned. Uh, you know, he said it was personal reasons. And I didn't look into it because Lou Lamarill is not going anywhere. Uh, I, if, if I had my druthers, I would much rather bring in a younger assistant GM who kind of had a little bit more creativity, if you know what I mean, in kind of roster maneuvering, because I just don't think Lou wants to make a deal anymore. I mean, if it's going to cost him anything, I don't think he wants to make a move. Uh, he has no problem drain draft picks, but I'd move some of these, I'd move some of these vets if I could. That's what I would do. I'm gonna tell you what, I know it's still a long ways away, but you gotta protect Kiefer Bellows in the expansion draft. You have to do it. He's young and cheap. Those are the guys you want to protect. You don't want to protect the old vets who are going to give you diminishing returns coming on. I'll be interested to see what they do, but he should be a guy they protect. What they need to do for that time period is they need to give up draft capital to offload one of their toxic assets or an asset and a contract that is going to become toxic in the next few years. That's something they need to do. We've talked about it before, grumpy old man. Guys who can't skate well, 
and guys who aren't necessarily putting the puck in the net, the older they get, the less productive they're going to be. And they can't be tied to contracts that absorb seven, five, six million dollars a year. Those type of contracts are going to be really bad and they're going to weigh really hard down on the actual uh, cap space, grumpy old man. Yeah, but if you only protect the guys on low end contracts, they're going to be forced to take a guy who makes money. That's my point. I protect Mayfield. I protect Bellows. This way you're exposing Letty. You're exp- and I wouldn't protect any of Lee. Uh, I protect Nelson, but any of Lee, Bailey, Everly, uh, I wouldn't protect any of those guys. None of them. I would I protect the young guys. Bavillier protect. Um, and and the reason your reasoning behind it is because we're in we're in cap issues. And again, like what? if you only expose hold on, if you only expose the people that have larger cap hits, they're going to have to take one of those, and it's going to help relieve some. And so even if they're going to take a guy maybe that you like in Bailey, who isn't tied to as much cap, it's still going to allow you some cap relief in some capacity. Exactly. I mean, you're talking about guys who are in their thirties. You, I'd love for Seattle, the Kraken, to take one of those guys. I'd love for them to take a Bailey, a Lee, an Everly, a Letty, uh, a Lad, a Comrade, whoever they want to take. But if you're protecting the guys who don't make any money, and that's why I protect Mayfield, because he'd be a prime target for them. Um, this way they have to – and if they, here's the thing. If they want to take some piece of garbage off the bottom of the I protect Otto Koivula before I protect one of those guys making 6 or $7 million a year. Let them take one of those pieces to help you out. We got one more comment here, Grump, because I know we're getting – we're a little over an hour. I know this is uh, – it was a post-game show, Grumpy Old Man. So now we're getting into the late hours of the night. Grumpy Old Man, little nugget for you, Grumpy. Tom Fitzgerald contract says he only is guaranteed to be the Devils general manager for one season. Then um, uh, then he or the team can opt out. How about Fitzgerald as general manager after we miss the playoffs? I, uh, You know what? I take a shot at Tom Fitzgerald. But I, I'm going to tell you again, the ownership loves Lou Lamarillo. I, I just don't see him go – unless he wants to go upstairs um, – I think he's here for as long as he wants. I'd love to see him say, you know what? I, I want them to groom somebody, somebody, one of these young guys, uh, not somebody who's been there forever and ever. That's what I'd like to see. I um, think you're looking for young blood. And again, like it's because yeah. I guess our team is, is composed of so many older players. I mean, we need some young blood in some capacity. Again, I'm not all analytics and I'm not all old school, but you have to, I think, have a healthy mix of both in order to be successful. You can't be steadfast in one camp. You have to be able to look at both and take an, object, an objective look at the picture. I'm mostly worried about the draft. And the reason I am is because the last two years, who we, we haven't picked guys who play offense. We pick guys who are – the grinder types, the guys who, you know, do all the little nuts and bolts things when this team desperately needs offense. In all fairness, in last year's draft, grumpy old man, we were, the earliest pick we had was a third round. So I'm not sure what type of guy you were expecting to be, like an offensive juggernaut that we could have selected. I think morally you're talking about two years ago when we picked Holmstrom. So, again, you know, let's not try to cherry pick there, Grump. It, no, I'm not going to cherry pick. I would have taken somebody who maybe didn't play any defense but have an acumen to score, especially if you're a third-round pick. I just take a flyer on somebody who did something that we don't have in the organization, somebody who put the puck in the net, or somebody who could really, really skate and showed some type of offensive acumen or was creative in some way, not a guy uh, who we drafted, uh, you know, who's going to be a third-liner if he gets here. We have, we're have we a team full of third. Third-liners are easy to find. First and second-liners are tough. 
Yeah, grumpy. All right, is there anything else you want to say before we kind of wrap things up here today? No, I'm just disappointed with. Uh, honestly, I was more upset in the first period. I mean, I'm glad we don't do this thing live with the game, watching it, because I mean, I was dropping f bombs all over the place. Just how poorly they played in the first period. I thought they righted the ship in the second, and I thought they dominated the Flyers in the third. Uh, I. But you know what? Under trots, when do we ever play a full 60-minute game? We usually have a period where we struggle. And like I said, with, if, unless everyone's pulling in the same direction, rowing in the same direction, we're going to struggle. That's that's the thing with this system, right? Everyone has to you know, uh, sacrifice their individual game for team. And if somebody doesn't, the whole thing kind of falls apart. And that's that's what makes it tough. That's what makes it tough. But that's why you can you can win like that. Just not – I don't think over the, a long season like that. I just think it's too tall, too hard. Yeah. I, we're going to have to see something change. And that's that's the biggest thing, right? Whether it's going to be the production on the ice, the bounces going our way. It, I know, like they said, hey, we had more step in our game. I think we did have more step in our game. But even when we have more step in our game, and we look even back to last year, there were times during that seven-game losing streak where we had a lot of step in our game, but we just weren't able to get the results. I just, I just, I hope, I hope that this second and third period is maybe the harbinger of things to come. And, and that's the thing we have, we, we have we have to build off of that grumpy old man, and we have to. I mean, like. I hate to say must-win games this early in the season, but you have to figure we have to start building momentum, either against the Flyers here tomorrow night or against the Buffalo Sabres. Grumpy, those we have to start getting some points. We have to ride the ship. You can't go and lose those next three games. There's no chance. Of, there's no chance. You got to you got to start winning some games. You got to ride the ship here, and you got to do it within the next three games, in my opinion, especially with the Sabres coming up. I think we beat the Flyers tomorrow. I, I just I just think we will. I I mean the way the Flyers came out the first period, I'm like. My God, if they look really good, but then, like I said, we we righted the ship in the second period. I didn't think we dominated them a second, even though we scored two goals. But the third period was ours. So, and I didn't think Carter Hart played particularly well today. Their defense is not that good. They give up a lot of shots. They, they give up the, the Flyers give up the second most shots in the league per game, over thirty four a game. And I don't think we had 34 shots today, and certainly not in the first period. Through 15 minutes, we had two shots on goal, both by uh, Keeper Bellows. We 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 held the Flyers to under 20 shots today, too, though, Rumpel, man. So that's good to take into it, too. But, yeah, it's I mean, like we have to start riding the ship here sooner rather than later. Uh, but, Grump, I appreciate you being on the podcast here, as always. I know we've got uh, the game against the Flyers here tomorrow, which is going to be Sunday, as well as the Buffalo Sabres on Tuesday, Grump. What are your predictions there for those next two games? I think uh, I think we win the next two games. How's that for How's that for optimism? Holy shit, Grumpy! I'll tell you this much: <laughs> if you tune in to be in the podcast, I don't think anybody was expecting you to say we'd have four points out of the next two games. Well, it's right after a game that we could have won, and you know, his thing: if we lose, you're going to get negative reactions. But I got a little bit of time to cool to cool down a little bit. See, that's the one thing you get me right after a game. Well. You know, you got to kind of get what you're going to get. Um, but like I said, it was a nice goal uh, that caused us to loss. I think Varlamov wanted it back. Uh, I actually thought the game was going to go in a shootout. I really did. Um, but like I said, I think we win tomorrow, and I think we'll beat Buffalo. I hope anyway. 
I'm saying two points. Two points, Grump. I think we beat the Flyers. I think we lose in the Buffalo right after. Um, I, again, I as much as I think we're going to start riding the ship, I don't think it's going to be as easy as the flip of a switch, Grump. So it will be interesting to see. I mean, we need to start turning the action around over these next three games here. we got to start building some momentum, getting our form back in shape, Grumpy. But thank you for being a part of the podcast as always. My pleasure. And thank you so much for everybody who participated there in the live stream. Again, we'd love to be able to interact there with all the listeners of the show and all the Islander fans there. Thank you so much, guys, here for listening. And let's hope the Islanders start getting, getting everything back in order and start riding the ship.